What's going on everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. Everyone, what is up? I am joined today by a couple. Uh, first time I've had two guests on the show at once. Uh, Mr. Patrick Montalto and Ruby Munoz uh, from Austin, Texas. What's going on? Hello. Hello. Uh, it sounds, seems like you guys are adjusting pretty well to your new environment. Uh, would you agree with that? It took some time, yes. although we certainly have. Um, the first day that we arrived, we were about day uh, 12 of COVID, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we didn't... It didn't take too well to COVID when we had it. And it was, uh, I paint a picture of us arriving at a dark house at around 9 p.m. having not eaten that day. Still. <laughs> Still kind of with COVID and having nowhere to sleep, trying to find a mattress before stores close. But we've come a long way in the last uh, four months almost now. And uh, yeah, we're definitely glad we made the move to Austin. Yeah, as someone who's remained in New York City, and uh, it just seems like everything is getting crazy expensive uh, all of a sudden, and you can attribute it to many different factors, but uh, you certainly have a lot of space. You both seem incredibly happy, so um, I can't wait to hear more about how uh, this move has served you both well. But needless to say, uh, I know both of you, well, Patrick first and then Ruby followed because I worked uh, with both of you for different reasons. So I guess I'll start with uh, Patrick. Um, I'm going to go by Patrick or Pat. We can go by whatever you want. Uh, <laughs> but if you don't mind uh, going through a little bit about how your, I guess, journey with needing services, rehab services started and how you eventually, you know, shifted more to resistance and strength training. And let's keep it at that. And then we'll expand a little bit later. Yeah, sure. I can go even a little bit further back to paint some context about how I even got into health and wellness or fitness to begin with. And a lot of that, I think a lot of people probably have a similar story of like, just not being healthy and wanting to be healthy. <laughs> like right, there's a point in someone's life where they realize I don't like the way I feel and or the like the way I look and they want more. And for me, that was actually a, a good deal of time ago back in high school, going back to like 2000 five 2006 and um i remember i, I cut out sugar uh i actually had switched to my big health move was switching to diet snapple and uh, i was like wow i lost i lost like 30 pounds in a year uh with just by making that change which was pretty much all the weight that i was overweight and i said well maybe there's something to like this uh whole like you are what you eat thing <laughs> <laughs> and so then over time, I started to do more things, started to go to um, track and field. And I was never that big into team sports, but I really liked that aspect of like um, the individual struggle that you shared with your teammates to get better and better. And so that was pretty much my first foray into, into fitness and health. And that evolved over time as, as I graduated 
high school and I moved into college. I didn't really continue with track, but I really liked that training aspect. Um, and so I moved into more so strength training and um, Olympic training. And I noticed I was following um, <laughs> pretty much at that point, whatever my brother was doing, as most people probably do. I got the cool older brother, they're just gonna follow whatever he does. But eventually I started to get a little more serious and, and research and read books. And I recalled, uh, I came across this book uh, by Tim Ferriss that was the four hour body. And he had this uh, section in there that was all about how to gain muscle mass in a very short period of time. And he used high intensity training. And I, back then I was confused. I wasn't sure what, what that meant because I heard of high intensity interval training, but I wasn't sure what high intensity training was. Mm-hmm. And so I got really into that and I realized that was pretty much just training to failure. Um, so I did that for a while too. And I thought that um, at that point, I pretty much had figured out like bodybuilding and strength training. I'm like, oh, all you got to do is just maximize your uh, time under tension, best bang for your buck. And I saw some really uh, crazy strength and and, uh, and mass gains from following that kind of protocol. I picked up another book. This guy, Gordon Lavelle, wrote a book called uh, Training for Mass. And he went into detail with like periodization and deload weeks and how to do your four to six day splits and the mechanics of each like movement in the gym and was getting really into it. But I noticed though, as I kept going, I was getting more and more progress in the gym, but I was also regressing a lot of ways. And the things that started to crop up first were like low back pain after a deadlift. I figured oh, that's, that's probably normal. Um, uh, my shoulder would click every time I press overhead if I moved it a certain way. And I said, oh, that's probably just like what happens when you work out. But uh, it's like four to five years of doing that, um, took its toll and I didn't recognize uh, before it was too late. So I actually ended up stopping weightlifting pretty much most physical activity for like four years afterward because I was just in persistent pain. And there was, I guess, some point in my life where I decided I can't like, I can't like live like this anymore. Like movement is most of life. Like that's how you live your life. You move around, you do things. And I, I noticed there was a big part of me that was missing. Um, and I really identif- identified with that, uh, that idea of like bettering myself in some way every day and trying to get become a stronger person both mentally and physically. And I feel like I wasn't doing much for that physically. And if anything, I was enabling my weak mindset of like not wanting to get better. So I, uh, I, st- I came across some, um, another Tim Ferriss book and he recommended this guy, uh, Kelly Sturette. And he said, he wrote this book called The Supple Leopard. And I started to read that. And I said, maybe there's, there's a way to get out of my injury besides um, massive uh, reconstructive surgery or whatever the case might be. And that pretty much brought me into the world of like functional training, um, different kinds of um, massage therapy. And I think that pretty much opened the floodgate for me to, to see and meet all great experts and eventually led me to the, to discovering, uh, um, Dr. Dooley, uh, the great Dr. Dooley and, uh, Jake Altman, 
and then ultimately led to the referral to connect with you. And that's uh, that's my little tangent about <laughs> how I got here, how I know you. Yeah. Shout out Catalyst Sport uh, for providing a, an oper- an environment for all these wonderful things to happen. But uh, Patrick, let's uh, shift the gears to your fine lady, uh, Ruby. Mm-hmm. And um, Ruby, you have more of a dance background and probably an appreciation of movement from a slightly different sense. Can you speak a little bit about, I guess, how, you know, pain and dance and all of that is sort of been intertwined and your appreciation of how they both interlink with one another? Yeah, for sure. Um, So from, I don't know, like, early, early on, early, early age, um, I've always, always loved dance, but I really didn't start taking it seriously until I was about 17. Um, it was like a birthday present to myself to call a studio and book myself. <laughs> um, cause my parents just never did that. Um, and yeah, I went in and the first, the first day I like cried because I thought I sucked so much compared to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kept going because I loved it. And yeah, I was there eventually for eight years and became an instructor and it was a big part of my life. Um, and while during there, I believe like two years before I left and moved to New York City um, from Texas, I got a split disc um, that I didn't even feel <laughs> or know that I had. Um, and I attribute that, you know, to dance and moving and always being active. But I remember one time going to the studio and one of the moms actually told me like, hey, are you crooked? And I was like, what? And I looked in the mirror and my body physically was like crooked. Like my spine was like just so whack. Um, and, but I kept dancing and I was like, I don't feel it, I guess, but I guess I can see it. Um, and then I, a couple months later, I did begin to feel it with like nerve pain down my, down my leg. Um, and I went to a doctor and they had like, Hey, you have a split disc. Uh, you know, we can do surgery. And I really, really, really did not want to do surgery. And at the time, I feel like if I had known that functional training was a thing and that, you know, all the services you offer, and as Patrick said, Dr. Dooley and um, Dr. Jake, like I probably would have not done surgery. Um, But, you know, I was kind of young at the time, which is also crazy to have a split disc. I was 20. Um, And my mom was like, please get the surgery. And so I did. And it definitely helped a lot, um, but it was a very long recovery. And um, I was very adamant about like not taking painkillers. So it was even harder (laughs) um, to do that. But I actually, um, actually for my recovery, I actually went back sooner than I should have just because dance studio life is crazy. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, so I went back and everything was great after that, but I feel like still till this day, I still have like back tension, um, which is why I sought after you. Um, and, but I've noticed that it really has to do with, um, more so like, yes, physical, but energetically, there's a big part of my back pain as well. Um, I feel like, especially, you know, when I'm very stressed, very under pressure, pressure, very frustrated, it like is very bad. Um, and I really did not know 
before, you know, meeting you, before meeting Patrick, how to alleviate that. And now there's so many tools that I can use that very much alleviate that. Um, even recently, I've been doing the acupressure mat. Um, acupressure helps so much for my back, which is insane. Because um, I'm very big, I'm not like trying to take any drugs or <laughs> things to alleviate it. Um, but yeah, movement, I think is the biggest, um, as who says, Dr. Dick says. <laughs> um, <laughs> he will not take credit for it because he does okay. not like it, but. <laughs> that motion is lotion. Um, so I, I do believe that and that like the more you move, the more you do, it's like your body's just going to be so grateful for that. I know so many women that are in their 80s and teaching ballet and it's because of all you know, the movement that they do, um, especially with, um, my, my knees have been, as you know, <laughs> my knees have been bothering me too the past year. And I feel that is because I have cut out dance and well, because of the pandemic, a lot of movement. <laughs> so even like going basically to the gym, but specifically dance, um, when I, when I used to take ballet, like my knees were great like <laughs> just because of so much playing and learning how to like stabilize yourself and catch yourself and you know out of moves and jumps and so yeah i just movement is like the thing it's, <laughs> life. Say, it's life yeah <laughs> yeah no i i totally i totally hear you and i think one of my missions uh, and it seems like it's become part of your mission which we'll get into in a little bit is to dispel all these false narratives that we've adopted maybe from our parents generation that as you get old we start to wither away and our, our function becomes limited and that certain activities are harmful for us where you just uh, depicted that doing dance later into life is actually quite helpful for you and the, the lack of that constant stimulation and neuromuscular exposure to various ranges of motion and different positions you know if you don't use it you lose it is applicable in this realm <laughs> among others that are more commonly uh, associated with that phrase but uh, i think that's uh that's a great point that you made and i think what i really appreciate about you both is that you came into working with me with more of a holistic understanding and appreciation of health and wellness uh so Tell me a little bit about, I guess we'll start with Patrick here, because we, we spoke a little bit more in depth about things like uh, polyvagal theory and um, I guess just like this wellness clinic sort of thing that you might have had in store. So I guess after having gone through the semi-traditional uh, musculoskeletal rehab lens, uh, where where do you see health and wellness now and how are you applying it in your in your practice yeah i think it uh it definitely for me it, you're right it, it started with physical pain and then I, I realized right or i my my initial idea to solve that pain was there must be some kind of um, physical way to fix that pain and i think i was lucky enough I, I, um, to kind of develop some insight along the way through the, through the adversity as people do, hopefully, um, to not want to like fix things, but to sustain and prevent. And through that, I think I just went on a journey to discover like what it really means to be healthy 
And because when you lose it, you don't know what you have until you've lost it. And then you do everything you can to regain it and then keep it. And it feels more sacred than, than it had previously. And so for me, like health and wellness today is, I think there's some core foundations that um, you can probably see if you follow the right people on social media or the right podcast, you probably hear this very similar things that I'll just reiterate. But for me, it's movement as a foundation, whatever that means to you, you got to get active, make it fun. It's got to be creative. You might have to find a good trainer. You might just find a good dance instructor, but you need something that's specific to you. You got to find out what that is and it's got to be fun because if it's not fun, you're not going to want to do it. And you're probably going to get injured because you're going to be doing it like half ass. (laughs) Um, So that's like the foundation. And then other things like um, the importance of like light therapy, like UV exposure, infrared light, um, community, having, whether that be friends or family or some kind of group of people that you work with in some way for some project or some literal community driven project, whether that be charity organization or religion or some kind of spiritual group or practice nutrition and what that can mean is pretty vague, but I think personalized nutrition because there is no one size fits all approach. Not everyone should be vegan or, or uh, carnivore or paleo or primal or gluten-free. But I think that people should question what that means for themselves and they should look at what criteria like they constitute that would then determine a certain diet for them, like what they enjoy eating and maybe what kind of body type they have, what their genetics are, um, you know, what kind of state their gut microbiome is in, um, like what, what their body, like what is going on in their body really? And what inputs do they need to put into that to get the most out of their body and their experience. And I think then the last thing is like creativity. So that is creating um, a painting or creating a meal or um, creating your own workout program because you felt like you wanted to experiment that day. Um, Creating a business. So like the biggest, and I suppose the biggest, most like tactical strategical end of that aspect, but there's so much opportunity to create that I think that movement, sun exposure, community, nutrition, and creativity, I think form the basis of anyone's true health and wellness core. Everything else on top of that, like if it's, um, you know, some kind of healing therapy and stuff like that, I feel like those are fantastic. And they're, but I feel like they're, they're used to heal, not to, um, not as a foundation. Because if you look at healing practices, like I, I experiment a lot, I experimented with like, um, craniosacral therapy, Reiki therapy, raw thing, um, acupuncture. They're all great and they all work in other ways. Some of which are, I think, not well understood by Western science. Mm-hmm. I think there's some reasons to continue to investigate, to, to give the skeptics more reason to try them out. Um, but I think that those healing modalities are best. Like if you had a pyramid of, of needs, it would be all those things in the bottom and then the therapies on top of that. And then on top of that is like supplements, <laughs> very top. Like you go take some fish oil and uh, supplement with vitamin D if you can't get outside and you know, <laughs> pretty solid life then. Yeah. 
I mean, I have so much to say about all those points that I think it would take hours um, <laughs> because I spend a lot of time with my clients discussing that because some people go from one extreme to another that they're going to make such such a rapid lifestyle change because they saw something that said that they should eat this or that uh, they have to do this type of exercise in order to get in shape or and it's a it's a sales tactic that people are capitalizing on by capturing these people who are so not just willing they're like past the point they're they're they they will commit to anything fall for anything because they're looking to make such a change but what they're seeking first of all they have no idea what they're truly seeking and secondly it might actually be harmful for them to i think anyone can appreciate that sudden changes in in lifestyle or activity level really don't do the body very good. You can just appreciate that, you know, if you had to go run 10 miles or you just go traveling and you have to lug heavy suitcases and, you know, I've traveled to many parts of Europe where it's super hilly and you're like lugging suitcases and up these cobblestone streets. It's not, it's a load that I'm not familiar with and you'll at least wake up the next day feeling pretty sore. So just from that perspective, it's not exactly the best way to uh, jump right into those things. Uh, but I, I do agree with all the foundations that you've mentioned, and I have heard of those things before. Interestingly enough, I think, I feel like I heard something that in New York City, people have a higher risk of getting osteopenia and osteoporosis because the tall buildings limit the amount of sun exposure you can get. Well, I, I would at least say in Manhattan specifically, if, if no one's, if you're not familiar with New York City, uh, we have skyscrapers here, and uh, there okay. are some street, there are some streets that really don't get adequate sunlight at any point of the day, even oh, on man. a sunny day. So some people end up taking, needing to take supplements because the the sun isn't providing the natural vitamin D that they need. Uh, so totally yeah. feel that. that. That was one of our biggest like motivators for moving honestly was like just being in the city especially during the pandemic and where mm -hmm. we live specifically like downtown um the last couple of weeks that we were there they put scaffolding on the whole street in front of our building so whatever time you went outside you did not know what time of the day it was yeah. it always looked like nighttime and we just felt like for us specifically, where we wanted to be and for what we were dealing with, with our health, um, the city just wasn't like corresponding to what we needed. And so, and we specifically picked Austin for that reason, um, just because it's very easy to get sunlight here. There's a lot of nature preserves and hiking that are very close and easily accessible. Um, bigger spaces, so like, you know, more uh, group activities such as like a dance class or something like that um so it was just more um more conducive to like conducive yeah to the health lifestyle that we would want to live um because we did feel in the city we started feeling very like oh not not ourselves not at 100 percent a lot of back pain all the time um so it's probably just yeah. our body being like get out of here <laughs> yeah so and that was just i mean not saying that everyone's experience is like that but that was just our experience and our you know reason for for leaving no i totally get that it's funny i um uh, well it might not be funny but i 
I've been on the, I guess you can call it the dating merry-go-round of New York City, which I've hopped off for a, a, a short period of time now because it got exhausting. But one of the women I went out with recently was talking about how in New York City in particular, it seems like self, um, like focusing on the self and doing all the work with the meditation and the the relaxation techniques, it takes, it's like a considerably greater effort needed in New York City relative to other areas where you can have easier access to nature, more space, more sunlight. Uh, so I found, I find that aligns really nicely. And, you know, even she was considering leaving New York City. If she does, and maybe my future wife will be in a some, in another location. <laughs> that's for another, that's for another day. But it does go to show you that our environments do have a significant impact on our well-being. The amount of effort we have to direct um, into, like, if I wanted to go on a hike right now, I think you can both appreciate it. It would take me a solid hour at least to get somewhere with, um, and that's probably with a car, which I don't have. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, and I guess even just like if you have dogs and just to let them go out on oh, the trails yeah. and. Cause I remember like, when I was out West, I would just see dogs just like running up and down the trails and people are sitting yeah. on there, sipping on their coffee. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I think I can, I can I get can it down. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. My yeah. God. We have a trail like literally behind our house. Yeah. Like it's, like, it's right. <laughs> unbelievable. And like, yeah, our little dog, we have a Bowie is a six pound poodle. We just, let him go in the backyard and he's just out there for like hours yeah, just sprinting he, back and forth. His quali quality of life also here is just so much better. He would be so mad at us that like sometimes we just couldn't take him out when we were in the apartment because it was either snowing or like there was crazy people outside of our apartment. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes we just couldn't like take him out and, and he would get extremely mad at us, which I totally understand why he would do that but now he just roams free he has a huge yard he runs all the time and barks at everything and it's totally fine and he's just like wow this is so much better oh totally he's like a great example of like he's very unbiased opinion you know what i mean he doesn't have any presuppositions of like what new york city is versus what what austin is and, or like what it means to live in texas or new york other than the fact that he's just happier and that's it and I think it's really telling when um, when an animal like that becomes he was he was always a, like a very well behaved little little guy, but he's definitely had his moods. He could and, be sassy. Yeah. yeah, he has moods and was kind of standoffish if, if we didn't take him outside. And it's almost a complete like 180 from that now. And I look back, I look at him, I'm like, wow, I can totally agree with him. Like <laughs> I am not as grumpy i am more willing to go out and see people and do things again and certainly yeah like being inside um because of, of covid certainly like added to that but i think the environment in which it happened for myself and ruby was was not one where we could really thrive during the pandemic like being inside of that i don't know 650 square foot apartment for like a year and a half was was not healthy it wouldn't be healthy for anyone um so i think it's just if anything it expedited our move like we was if it was going to happen eventually it happened a lot sooner because mm -hmm. we got so tired of staring at those walls yeah i always like the same the same like you know you should not survive but thrive like in life and i feel like 
you know, I saw not just New York City, but just a lot of bigger cities, um, especially during the pandemic, like everyone's just trying to survive. And at the, that's like almost like the basis, like the people are content with, like, no, I'm just doing my thing and that's cool. But, you know, one day you kind of, kind of sit down or step back and you're like, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want to be like glowing, you know, right? Like yeah. with life. So yeah, that's why. <laughs> I think Austin realtors are going to take that segment and start to put it out there. Uh, put it on billboards. Because, yeah, put it on billboards. You have this mass exodus to Austin, and then that's going to become an overcrowded city, and then we'll all be shipping somewhere else. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that for another day. But anyway, uh, so I think your insight, both of your insight, has been incredible so far. Now that you're in a new location. Uh, we talked about the fact that you're basically going to have a killer home gym in any moment. Like what's next for both of you in terms of your fitness and wellness journey? Um, I, as Patrick mentioned, like there's certain things that work for certain people and I'm definitely a group person. Um, I love being in group classes, whether it's hit, whether it's, you know, just dance. Um, and I would love to get back into that because it really has not been a thing for the past three years. Um, and so, yeah, group classes, learning different types of perhaps dance. Like um, I've always wanted to learn bachata, which is very easy to find here, <laughs> which is also good. Um, but also looking into um, building, as Patrick said, a community, um, you know, getting friends to work out and things like that. Um, and a big part of at least my, I deal with a lot of hormonal issues. So food is a big thing for me that I need to like kind of take a hold of. Um, and so that is my next kind of big goal is to really reel in food and be like, okay, what does my body specifically need dependent on like my blood work and, you know, how my skin is doing, like what you know, kind of what recipes to do, how to meal prep and all that. Cause again, I haven't been able to do that in the past couple of years. Um, and yeah, so basically those, those two things would be my, on my list to do. That's great. It's, it's, um, kind of similar for me in a lot of ways. I think it's going to be a refining, it's like going back to not going back to what I used to do, but reapproaching it in a whole new way. And I think, um, one thing that I struggle with um, is like fear aversion, right? So I'm like, oh, I, I want to move in that exercise because maybe it'll like create more pain or I don't want to like be around all these people because what if like I mess up something and then I have to leave early or all these different um, scenarios I'll play out about why something could be dangerous for me, even when it comes to eating certain foods that I haven't um, eaten for a while because of whatever gut microbiome stuff that I'm, I'm working through. Um, I think a lot of what I'm going to be doing next and what I have been doing is just like not really giving a crap about those things. Yeah. Anymore. I think that's <laughs> just like just doing it, just being excited to yeah. do it. Like taking all that energy that I would put toward like anxiety, yeah. um, putting that towards my raw excitement and passion and for wanting to actually do something outside my comfort zone. Because mm -hmm. when I look back and, and see all the things in my life that I'm appreciative of, I, I had those experiences or I have those people or those things in my life because I had to step outside my comfort zone and do something that I was not used to doing. To do the same thing every day, 
um, you're not going to really yeah. change anything by, but it's so obvious, but I think we all get stuck in that loop of, um, safety. Yeah. I think learning too, like a passion for learning, like new things and, you know, being like, I've never tried that, but maybe that's a thing I should try. Like, um, like I really want to do, um, aerial silk <laughs> and I feel like I've I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go, but it looks cool. Like, you know, like different things like that. Um, like we want to take cooking classes together and also maybe like a ballroom class or something. Just like, yeah, like you said, stepping up out of your comfort zone to see like what, you know, hits, what sticks. Yeah. And I feel like um, I really let my cardiovascular like endurance wane over the years. So I'm excited to get back into that, um, doing some conditioning training at a salt bike you're right. Yeah, it, no it is no joke. <laughs> and that's been awesome. And just getting outside, like working out outside too, like getting on the trails, getting on a bike on the trails, going for a long hike, um, taking the kettlebells outside in the sun and working out, right. Um, doing, um, some calisthenics outside, um, going to the park to work out, like things that just change it up. You have your core foundation of like the movements that you do and like how to do them correctly. But taking that with you and, and bringing it to different scenarios and different um, positions to really experiment and play with it and have fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear you both saying that you're going to go after it now in this new environment. Cause um, I, that's how I live my life as well. Even if I eat shit on a trampoline, which happened <laughs> about a month and a half ago. And uh, I've tried so many movement based skills that, you know, I've, I failed, almost daily approaching new movements. I've burned food trying to cook before, uh, not to the degree where I, you know, it, it still, it tasted burnt, but it wasn't completely horrible, but you'll never know unless you try and then you learn better ways, maybe lower the temp, lower the flame, a little bit less oil. And I have become, this is also a pitch to all the single women out there. I'm a pretty fine cook. <laughs> so uh just just saying that's one of my uh my selling points among the others but uh, other than that i'm i'm grateful to both of you for not only just taking your time to to be here with me today but just for your trust over the the past year i know that it's very sensitive and can be very intimate who you place your faith in to help guide you along your your movement journey i know that I'm not the type of person to just have this linear approach to treatment and you both certainly would not respond very well to it. But the fact that you stuck with me through this whole time is something I'll always be grateful for. And I continue to be grateful that you respond to my messages and take advantage of opportunities like this. Uh, but on that note, do you have any final words for our listeners that you want to leave them with? <laughs> Motion is lotion. I'm just going to keep saying that. <laughs> Put down the billboard next to uh, the Austin one. Survive and thrive. Everything that, everything that rhymes. Yep. I'd I, I, I go with that too. But um, and, and, um, evaluate, like, I think it's important for everyone to evaluate what health and wellness means to them. Mm -hmm. Ask themselves that question. And, and get blood work. And, and if you want to take to the next level, go get some blood work. Everyone should get blood work. Or get your gut microbiome checked yeah. out. And uh, if you're in pain, give uh, give Jordan a call. <laughs> I did not pay them for that uh, <laughs> advertisement, but uh, I will take it.
But anyway, that's all we have today, beautiful people. I again want to thank Pat and Ruby for their time and insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door.